welcome to Imagine Me and Mow Are You Penguin Drum. I'm Panda. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, Alice. Hi, Alice. Hi. How's it going? I'm a little sleepy. And uh, today on my smoke break, I accidentally um, was attacked by a million ants, but I'm doing Oh okay. my gosh. Are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. Um, I have ant bites all over my leg, but I'm fine. I, For the re- listener, you'll be delighted to hear um, through Schrodenfreud that I sat down on a bench to enjoy my lunch of a Cool Ranch Dorito bag. And it was very hot. It was lunch like 90, of champions. It was 90 degrees. And I'm sitting in my general normal work outfit of just this skirt and my little blouse tunic thingy and my little vest. Probably a long skirt and a long (laughs) sleeve of some kind. No, it was short. It was a short sleeves. She wears short sleeves to work in the hot days of the summer, but she wears a little vest over them and it's adorable. Yeah. Oh, I'm so proud of you. And I'm sitting there enjoying my, and I finished the little Doritos and I... I'm about to go throw my bag away. Well, actually, I'm about to about, about to have a cigarette and then just kind of read my phone for a while before I go back in. And I realized that I, there's something hurting on my leg. And that is when I looked down and realized that there are roughly 100 ants crawling up the stone bench ah! onto my legs. <laughs> I hate this. Ah, I hate so, this. That was. I just realized. <laughs> fuck this, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. Today was today was actually terrible for um, <laughs> as as far as that goes. Hmm. But the good news that I have for you today is that the theme song for the new theme song for the podcast t- instantly takes me back to the year 2012, watching the Ponies anthology, the second one. <laughs> for the so, first time, and you know, it's a, everything balances out eventually. Yeah, everything balances out eventually. Um, you know, and everything everywhere all at once. It all balances. All things I, work together. I, I'm also here with Cass. Did we did I mention did I introduce Cass? Not yet, but thank you for hey, Cass. Hi. <laughs> how, how are you? Did you step in ants today? No, I spent my lunch inside uh in the lobby of the uh office building, avoiding the heat. And uh, walking without rhythm to avoid the uh, gaze of Shai Halud. <laughs> I actually actually get uh, attacked by ants probably twice a week, actually, at work. Alice, honey! They are everywhere. They they constantly besiege the office building. It's like Minas Tirith, but for ants. You need to be like Penguin Number 2 and carry ant spray with you. And you can just spray all the ants. I actually did think about that at one point while I'm sitting there trying to make sure that I'm, I'm dead. I would run in and I'm like trying to get them off me and make sure I'm fine. And I thought to myself like an insane flash of, of like random thought. And I'm like, God, I wish I, was, I had one of those little spray cans like those stupid fucking penguins have. <laughs> just like eradicate these ants. Yeah, you should get a can of ant spray. And just carry a, fl- a can of ant spray around with me everywhere I go. Or like, you know, buy some ant poison and just put it out where the bench is so that you don't have to worry about the ants. You know, if your job's not going to get rid of them. <sighs> maybe I will. I or maybe you. I will find a way to will myself to be less tasty to insects. I don't think that's going to happen. I've been trying to do that my whole life. I have not been successful. I just use bug spray now. I'm not quite giving up on my Benet Gesserit plan, but, you know, we'll see. 
we're here to talk about Mawar Penguin Drum, episode five. I totally looked up the name of this episode and I didn't forget to Google it until just now. Let's see who can get there first. Okay. Uh, I didn't start, so you're going to get there. Okay. Uh, episode five is called That's Why I Do That. Yep. It sure is. And it was storyboarded by the bastard man himself, Kanehiko Ikahara. And he's really good at it. <laughs> this yeah. is one of the best visual episodes of the whole series so far, and I don't say that lightly. Yeah, I was going to take a temperature check. Uh, how do we feel about this episode? I, how do you feel? Well, um, I was actually about to say something, but then we probably should wait until it actually happens. <laughs> that I'm surprised a person shows up here in this episode in the way in which he does. Okay. So when we get there, I will mention that. Yes. I liked it. <laughs> Penguin Drum has been knocking it out of the park over the last two episodes. Uh, I have gone from being lukewarm on the show to being very, very mildly hot. I think our audience will be happy to hear that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely feeling the vibe. I actually remember at one point before I, I was watching it, I was laying in bed before I fell asleep accidentally. I was listening to Cass react and laughing at it. Dear viewer, she she has this really excited, like very loud laugh, and it's uh, easy to tell. And I could like set my clock by it; it's very cute. And um, <laughs> I remember hearing in between her laughter, like the the rhythms of the show and the music specifically, and thinking vaguely, "Huh, this feels more like an Utsuna episode," and it's and it's pacing. Where I kind of pass out. Like huh. there's a little bit of the um we get a little bit more of the sort of the i i i'm guessing we should call the survival realm the survival <laughs> dimension i don't know but like whatever it is we're getting more of it this time and we also get to play around with it even more cuz like last time yeah. um we got to play around with like oh what if it like stops and it's just like you know like the ride shuts down mm-hmm. we get to play with it a little more this time which is actually really cool and it reminded me of utana it, it just reminded me of how, like, Utana had the same sequences, but then you'd get, like, the new ones in Black Rose that were these almost perverse reflections of them. And that mm-hmm. would, and they would, like, basically all but interrupt Utana's sequences. Like, as soon as they were done, like, surprise, motherfucker, I'm on top of you. <laughs> and kind of playing with, uh, oh, you expected this to go the same way every time, but no, it's actually not. We're going to shift it. We're going to shift it around, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely made me think a little bit of Utana, but also kind of I'm curious if they're if he's going to go farther with that because the one thing that connects all of Ikuni is the sequences. Like it's sort of the do not disturb my circles. My, <laughs> my repeated sequences must always happen. <laughs> yeah, those are my thoughts. Uh, Cass, what about you? What about your actual reactions? Oh, this was ep- this episode was great. <laughs> yeah. I just want, I want to jump right in because I think yeah, this is going to be a can. great one to talk about. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm just excited. Let's watch this sucker. <laughs> we begin on a flashback. We pause on a flashback. We rewind on a flashback. So in all seriousness, we begin on a flashback that shows us something we've never seen in Penguin Drum before. Mm-hmm. Because once we cut in... Number one, a massive typhoon has hit the Japanese coast. Even more grimly, it's massive typhoon number 13. 
the spookiest number. I'm yes. assuming they don't name typhoons like we name hurricanes. They don't. Yeah, the typhoons are numbered because they there are too many of them, and also they conflict with hurricanes. Uh, it's currently passing through the Kanto area, and we see little Shoma and Kanba babysitting little Hamari, who has a very bad fever, as someone we've never seen before in person is on the phone calling for a hospital, their mother. We also see their father. Who, who looks very much like Kanba, I would yeah. say, but with different hair. Yeah, I would say that like neither of them look completely like their parents, but it's it's pretty great uh, seeing the two of them for the first time. I think it's kind of cool that they actually managed to make like like their dad is very evocative of Kanba and their mom is very evocative of both Sho and Himari, uh, even though they don't look like exactly the same. Like, yeah, it's, it's very much a familial resemblance. It's, it kind of is there. It's mostly the messiness of the dad's hair and the sharpness of his face that I think gives the Kanba impression. And the mom, it's probably just the fact that, like, she's drawn with that same kind of very unique expression that Shoma has a lot. I, it's A lot of it's in the eyes. Like, yeah. he's making, like, a very Kanba expression right now, and she's yeah. making a very show expression right now. Exactly. I'm glad that you guys have um, associations with the dad character. That makes sense, because mine is fucking delusional. Wh- what? <laughs> I look at this character, I'm like, hey, look, it's the kid from um, Eureka 7, but he grew up and is a shitty dad. Oh, God, <laughs> you're right. Fuck. I hate this. I've never watched Eureka 7, so... I have. So this this did psychic damage to me. And what did even more psychic damage is that there's an actual sequel to Eureka 7 where that kid does grow up, and this looks more like an adult version of him than the real version. I assume a lot of our audience has probably watched Eureka 7, so it's fine. It's fine. So Sho and Kamba's dad grabs Himari, throws her in a sling... Because the ambulances are all kind of, like, shut down, either shut down or occupied because of the typhoon. Mm-hmm. And decides to just brave the storm. He is going to jog his daughter with a, with a fever to the hospital. And as he goes, Kanba dashes after him. Uh, Sho's mom catches, them before, catches him before he can join them as well. Yeah, they, they both dash, but Kanba manages to slip by uh, and... Show is not so lucky. Yeah. Kanba is very desperate to help and be a grown-up and is uh, murdered by a mirror that flies into frame and shatters. <laughs> so, yeah, Kanba's dead. Uh, he died several years ago, and this is the sixth sense now. I'm sorry to have to tell you all this. Kanba's been dead for ten years. <laughs> <laughs> that was the twist in Moara Penguin Drum. Kanba is so attractive to women. Because he's been, like, possessing a hot, different hot guy every time. <laughs> it was pretty wild to drop that twist in so early, but I think it works. Yeah. This opening slaps, by the way. Yeah, in all seriousness, we're just watching the opening the credits opening right credits. now. Because yep. it rules. All the music in this rules. Uh, it's, I mean, it, it's not as good as Utena for music but nothing is in all of anime except maybe for sound of the sky but it's pretty good <laughs> oh speaking of people we see this episode uh there's natsume who we know the name of now we'll talk <laughs> about her in a minute oh spoilers and also you know, we have mr uh pretty boy and his cage with the bird 
I assume he is the he's going to end up being a student, former student council president. <laughs> you mean Tabuki? Yeah, I'm assuming he's going to end up being a former student council president because he has the bird in the cage and it rotates kind of like the the elevator. I, I think it's just that he likes bird watching. It's a Utena reference, and I intend, and I expect it to be paid off. Right? Speaking of uh, references and hospitals and birds, uh, Himari is knitting with her with Penguin Number Three at the hospital. They're doing it in sequence. They're like in complete sync with each other. It's, it's very cute. Really is, cute. And as they are doing it in the background, we see uh, someone familiar pass by, uh, who we will now know as Natsume because her name does get dropped in the next scene she's in we've seen her in the opening sequence pretty much since the beginning of the show she has jury jury energy uh, ringlet hair and uh she will become important in this episode yes uh notably she's also the person who pushed asami kuho down the stairs last episode i don't okay that was definitely her we saw a little bit of her in the background right before the push wait hold on hold on I thought that Asami was on the phone with her and someone else came up behind Asami and pushed her. They were on the phone, but... They were on the phone and, like, we see her on the phone and, like, we see... She's standing at a different location, yeah. But, like, right before she gets pushed, there's someone behind her and I could have sworn that it was... It was a tan jacket, Yeah. sure. It was a tan jacket, and I'm pretty sure that's Natsume's outfit, because the only other character we know who has anything remotely like that we've seen in the show so far is Tabuki. And Tabuki definitely isn't it, because the shape was wrong. No, I just think that maybe Natsume has, like, lackeys, because we see, like, someone else later who I don't know if is related, but, like, in, like, a a big trench coat jacket with, like, a hat that passes off. It could be. I, I interpreted it as Natsume did it personally because we see it, it's kind of her outfit. And I kind of gathered that what was happening there, at least in my head, is we see her lo- in a different location at the beginning of the call, but we do not, they deliberately don't hold on her in that location very long. I kind of assumed that she had slipped out of that location and wherever it was is close enough to the station that asami was in that she was behind her before she knew about uh you know she she realized it that seems like more of a stretch to me but i know also we have another conversation about the incident on the escalator in this episode yeah so uh we can revisit this conversation when we get there absolutely Anyway, speaking of conversations in this episode, uh, Shoma <laughs> is talking with Himari's uh, doctor about her miraculous recovery. And the doctor is just, you know, still bemused by the fact that Himari somehow miraculously recovered from what appears to be a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. And as he is pondering this miracle, uh, Shoma asks him to do something for him. He wants him to examine. Pause for dramatic effect. The hat. <laughs> He's like offering the hat like some like magical artifact, which I guess technically it might be. Yeah. <laughs> like head down in front of him, like kind of half bowing in his chair. Like it's some kind of sacred thing. Please take this sacred relic hat. 
so he he tells the doctor that the hat may be an alien, and the doctor, whose eyeglasses do a little sheen <laughs> as this is being explained to him, accepts his explanation way too easily because he's not accepting it at all. <laughs> yeah, after after hearing the explanation, his first response is. Yeah, that's a great idea. You're a really funny guy, Shoma. It's good that you're keeping your sense of humor in this time, is basically what we're getting Yeah. Laughter is the best medicine. And also during this interaction, we keep seeing in the background that Shoma's penguin is messing around on, like, the windowsill in this guy's office. Yes. Next to, like, a trophy and some other stuff. Yep. Laughter strengthens your immune system. This effect has been garnering attention in the medical community lately. The hat came from space? A life form? <laughs> Keep making your sister laugh like that. Shoma <laughs> is very disappointed, and uh, Penguin Neagle has gotten himself absolutely stuck inside. How did he even get in there? Absolutely stuck in a little desk toy. And I just, just realized that the fact that I call the penguins Ichigo, Nigo, and Sango is because I've been watching a lot of a different Japanese show lately. And okay, I'm sorry. Who have that particular count to three theme. I'm sorry, but how the fuck did that penguin get in there? I'm not saying oh, that I'm going to start obsessing about the physics of penguins, but I'm starting to get really worried about them. Oh, Al- Alice, it's very simple. These penguins don't got no bones. Yeah, they're stuffed penguins that came to life. They just they just squeeze on in there. They're just like they're like he, he can't fit. It's too bit it's too little for him. I imagine their insides to be similar to that of like a stress ball where you could kind of like squeeze it to fit it in somewhere and then let it pop back out. There are cartoon characters in the quote unquote real world. Yeah. Anyway, they just they're not be really squishing. penguins, they're aliens. You remember in Sarah's and my when Sarah and her little uh, Kappa form can just like squeeze under a door frame, no problem. Same logic. I accept this grudgingly and with great frustration. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, for Penguin Eagle. So cut to Natsume saying, I must crush her soon, as she prepares some flowers for poor Asami, who has survived her fall down the escalator, and has a lot of gifts from what are probably admirers and uh, co-workers, and she's a model. Yeah, I Cass, I have to wonder if you were disappointed by this, because you were, if you recall, pretty excited about the introduction of murder to the plot of Penguin Drum in the last episode. I was, and I was only disappointed for a picosecond because immediately this conversation gets so much weirder than murder would imply, especially <laughs> because Natsume 100% is somehow responsible for Asami being pushed down those stairs, or knows who is, at least, and is definitely pumping her for information about how much she remembers in what detail. We get some tender face touching that I would like to acknowledge. <laughs> Yes. Very, very good femme fatale. This is a good flavor of femme fatale. Equal opportunity femme fatale definitely likes WLW femme fatale. Once again, I support women's wrongs. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Natsume quizzes Asami and asks if it's true she doesn't remember anything other than someone pushing her. And Asami admits that uh, she doesn't remember much of anything, but she thought she saw someone right before the accident. And she remembers it now, 
she saw. She saw him. See, and that is why I thought it wasn't Natsumi, because she said, I saw him. Except she didn't really turn to see her attacker that I remember. No, but like, that was just why I assumed that it was some sort of lackey. Yeah. Anyway, Natsume responds, you know, so you remember it? I've heard enough. And pulls out a little red bullet and a slingshot with a laser scope. And the notably, the little red bullet has the penguin on it from one of the penguin emblems from the intro with like a, a split half black, half white face. Yep. Anyway, update on Asami Kuho, who fell out of subway escalator a few days ago says the news according to the latest report miss kuho has told the police she doesn't remember anything before or after the incident the police is con- are continuing their investigation by searching for witnesses kanba has been watching this and has received a little uh obligation present from his uncle who is here yeah so this seems like a pretty strained relationship because it's very normal to get little gifts when you're going visiting in Japan, but this implies that he is not, like, a frequent visitor. Yeah. So we get a bomb dropped on us by Kanba's uncle. The house is being sold for some reason, and he will make sure that everyone is taken care of and talk to the relatives that they'll all be staying with but he's not sure that the three of them will be able to stay together, which is a little unusual when you think about it. Why wouldn't they be able to? Is it just that they don't have anyone who can take them in? I or mean, is there another reason they would be split up? I My immediate thought is that, you know, housing in Japan is often a lot smaller. Maybe, like, there isn't anyone with enough room to take three adolescence at one time which is possible except there is kind of a question there of like i don't know housing in japan is often smaller but my first thought is what is the situation of these relatives then because yeah it's it's weird to be in a situation where it's like well i could take in one adolescent but you know it's also also it's weird because like they're literally siblings yeah. And like splitting up the siblings amongst family members is it's not like it would it'd be impossible. It's just deeply strange unless they like happen to live literally across the street from each other or something. I'll admit it would I just don't be kind of weird. I don't really know much about this sort of thing. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a called shot here and I want to see if I'm right in a few episodes. OK, what's your okay. called shot? What if they aren't all related by blood? Da-da-dum. Huh. Da-da-dum. Because, and I'll throw this out there. We were just talking about their parents, but, and, and there's definitely like a resemblance there, but it might explain the weird CISCON thing. Yeah, but I mean, it's not as though Ikumara has shied away from yeah. like direct sibling incest before. It's not a thing he's ever shied away from, but at the same time... It would make sense for them not to take in a kid that they're not, like, blood-related to. I mean, it would be mildly shitty, but, like, it would make sense. Yeah, like, I'm... Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm just making a prediction there, and that's my prediction. I wonder if 
not all of the three are blood-related. If one or more of them is not blood-related to the other. I will say, uh, I, I talked to someone earlier today about this podcast, and they mentioned how they occasionally have to remember that we don't know what's coming and so like all of our reactions are totally devoid of context and i imagine that they're getting a lot of uh (laughs) to bring back to what alice said earlier schadenfreude from (laughs) from whether or not we are uh on or off base at all yeah Uh, this is me hedging my bet because if i'm wrong about natsume pushing us Awesome down the stairs. I might be right about this. <laughs> I'm going to have at least one correct prediction this episode, and if I have two, I'm going out for ice cream. You are so valid. I don't remember enough of this show to actually have an opinion one way or the other, so that's fun. Well, anyway. We get the reveal that their uncle was sitting on Penguin number one. I don't think he's... No, I think Kanbo was sitting on Penguin number one. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it backwards. Yeah, Kanbo was sitting on the Penguin. Yeah, who is just, like, on the ground, like, trying to eat something. And Kanba gets up with the response of, Oh, how rude of me, I forgot to make you tea. Mm-hmm. Which is very blunt. The uncle just tells Kanba, I hate to say this, but your parents aren't coming back home. I just need to remind you, kid, that, like, you're a parentless orphan. Just in case you had forgotten that in the brief time we've been having this conversation about how I'm kicking you out of your house. Do we know if their parents are dead? I don't think we know. I believe, I might be making this up, but I believe someone implied something to that effect in an earlier episode. I know that we- I will say that it's, it, it is interesting here because we haven't- re- Wait a minute. Uh, didn't they have like a little- uh, household shrine no okay and that's what i was about to say is right. i remember the household that... shrine was for the hat not for the any of the photos of their parents yeah they don't have a funeral for them we saw what we suspected could have been death certificates but because we don't know like we it, there's no confirmation on that i will say that not coming home Given that they're not coming home, this means that at bare minimum, they are missing presumed dead, probably. Sure, yeah. But we just don't know what we're supposed to know about the state of their parents at this moment. Because your parents aren't coming back home is also still pretty vague. Yeah. And I mean, probably intentionally so. Yep. Kanba looks at a picture of their family together from when the parents were alive, slams the tea set down like a boss. Penguin number one has released whatever it was he was trying to eat from its It was wrapper. one of the manju from the, uh, the box that the uncle brought over. And Kanba just declares, how much money do I need to keep this house? His uncle just goes like, how on earth are you going to make that kind of money? And Kanba just repeats, how much? While Penguin number one rips into another manji wrapper. Yeah, because he he got the one and then it fell on the floor. And I guess, I don't know, is he like not eating the one off the floor or is he opening another? Who can he's, say? He's opening another one, I think. Okay. Anyway, it's Ringo time. I have a date with my dad today. I'm not a child anymore, so it's a little embarrassing. I'm sorry, so- Cass, ma'am, 
I'm going to need you to go back and I'm going to need you to uh, accurately describe the subtitle today. Yeah, I mean, I didn't need you to go. I don't think that's what she specifically needs. I didn't need you to go that accurate, but I appreciate your question. Yeah, the the narration says that Ginko has a date with her daddy today, which she means her literal dad. And I would like to point out. You know what that painting is, right? The reference that is being made here. Alice, what's the reference? That painting is The Kiss by Klimt. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you may know this painting if you are. Also, saucy angels are little baby, like little cher- saucy cherubs are all over it. All right, Just Alice, I'm, I'm gonna need to, I'm, I love you and I'm going to let you finish, but for uh, our weebs in the audience who don't know classical painting, this is the painting from the opening of Elfenlead. <laughs> it's also, I was actually going to say it's the painting from Sora no Woto, and I remembered that no one but me actually watched Sora no Woto. I watched it with you. This is, uh, I believe, our, our, our second, thing. third reference to uh, Sound of the Sky Sorry. <laughs> in this episode. Sorry. No, I know it's your favorite. Staying on target. Staying on target. But yeah, like it, it's the kiss. And you know what? The kiss is already extremely cursed. Uh, but somehow making it anime made it so much more cursed. I mean, it becomes cursed because this is about a a girl and her father. I mean, it started cursed. It just got more cursed. And she says, I want to remain as daddy's precious treasure for now. Please no one clip that out of context. <laughs> It's too late. I'm sorry, Panda. You you could have let me handle that one, and uh, you chose to take it on yourself. Ah, uh, no, I did. I did say it. You did. You you could have let me do it. I'm sorry. If, if, I'm if so that sorry. was something you had typed into a group chat, I would have pinned it immediately. That's true. <laughs> I might actually like pin the fact that you said it anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's time for seafood curry lunches at the fancy restaurant where Ringo and her daddy are eating. <laughs> if either of you say daddy one more time, I'm, I'm literally That's going fine to with die. you, right, daddy? And then I'm going yeah. to I'm going to die and then come back as an Avenging Ghost. Stop it. <laughs> like like fucking Dido c- cursing the Romans. Mommy? Hell is other people. <laughs> Hell is other podcast hosts. <laughs> anyway, Ringo notices a parfait on the menu that comes with a little penguin figure. I would like to note that I don't remember the English dub saying that it was a a penguin figure. I remember it saying a little wooden figure. Maybe I misheard and I missed that it said penguin figure. But yeah, apparently it's penguin. And her dad orders it for her because he can be nice sometimes. I would like to also note that the like the kiss painting, the version with Ringo and her dad, we see on the wall behind her in the restaurant. Yes, so th- this is just apparently their decor. Speaking of pictures in the restaurant, Ringo is looking at pictures on her phone that appear to be family photos. And there's one that appears to show her as a little kid with her mom and her dad. And they're at the aquarium, and they have the uh, plushies that we saw in her room in an earlier scene. The otter the and the kappa. kappa. The little sea otter. 
So this is where Ringo picked up her love of aquariums. And she asks to go go to that aquarium next time that she and her dad get to hang out. Oh, the little figures. Yep, so it's a little penguin in a tutu and with a little uh, crown and uh, a wand. It's a little magical girl penguin at the bottom of the parfait glass. And when Ringo's dad asks about the aquarium, she says, yeah, the one we used to go to all the time with mommy, that aquarium in Ikebukuro. So it is explicitly the exact same one that mm-hmm. uh, we went to at the beginning of the series. And while she kind of like prattles on a little bit about like some stuff that they did at the aquarium, uh, her dad acts a little bit confused, like he doesn't really remember it all that well. And Ringo rings up that they got matching uh, phone straps at the aquarium. And he's like, oh, yeah, that happened. You really like penguins, right, Ringo? And we see Ringo's little penguin strap. And it's a little penguin with with an apple. It's cute. She has good taste. And uh, just a reminder that Ringo means apple. Yep. Wait, it does? Yeah. Yeah. I totally did not know that. I'm sure you, did you said not it. Did you realize I... that that's why there's a bit of an apple? I don't actually, okay, it's possible that I didn't bring this up, but like that was one in one of my uh, Duolingo Japanese lessons was Ringo, yeah, Ringo. Mas, I eat apples. I did not, honestly did not know that. Okay, yeah. Huh. I think I forgot wow. to bring it up. I think I meant to, and it just has never, it has not come up yet. So, yeah. yeah fun, fun story, by the way. Because Japanese has, like, a very, you kind, this is hard to explain, but I did a little bit of Japanese study with a friend of mine, and who speaks a lot more than I do, and she explained that because Japanese is really context sensitive about, like, what is the uh, subject and the object of a sentence, and oftentimes the object and the subject of the sentence don't always go in the same order they would in English, it is very easy to accidentally say um, the apple ate me instead of I ate the apple. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very funny to me. Anyway, Ringo's dad goes off to take a phone call and kind of mentions that he's on his visitation day with his little girl and that he's going to be eating dinner with someone else who he invites to bring their daughter, uh, Ali. And while Ringo is thinking about how much she loves the little phone straps they got together. She zeroes in and notices that he has what appears to be a different phone strap than the one they got together. I believe this is an eel. It's an eel. Which is disappointing. The implication that I'm obviously getting is that this is like his girlfriend that he is talking to. Yep. I love that the eel has like a little flower. Very cute. Anyway, Ringo is disappointed, and she notes, last curry day, Tabuki ate the curry I made all by myself. So she's still a little hung up on that. Speaking of things Ringo's hung up about, she declares that her mission for the day isn't over yet, because Tabuki is going to... And she stops off at a little sweet shop, and she is going to visit Tabuki on the way home with a Mont Blanc. Does anyone know what a Mont Blanc is? I do, because of Vocaloid. Interesting. Tell me more. Okay. Uh, one of the song back in my I'm listening to every Vocaloid song that's ever been made phase, which was not that long ago. Uh, I got really into a songwriter called uh, Deco Twenty Seven, and one of the songs he put out was called uh, Cowardly Mont Blanc, uh-huh. which is kind of a a sad sort of like doomed romance song using 
a Mont Blanc and the central metaphor. And what a Mont Blanc is, is it's a very sweet, it is an almost sugar sweet, fragile little thing that looks like a cupcake that's actually made out of almond paste. Mm -hmm. It looks like spaghetti icing that's been curled up in the shape of a cupcake. Yeah. And they are apparently very, very sweet and very tasty, uh, which is kind of fitting because apparently Tabuki is a little bit childish in his tastes. <laughs> Ringo goes off to make him fall madly in love with her for bringing him a Mont Blanc. But, dun dun dun! Only for, and I would use the word cucked here, but like, it is kind of only Ringo's opinion that that is what's happening. Uh, she arrives at the worst possible time again because Yuri has already taken Tabuki to a restaurant and he is eating a Mont Blanc with her. Usually I'm the one that, that would say that and we and, and like would would take the bullet and say that word but I, you've 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 grown up you have surpassed me. But I yes, know. that's exactly what happened. That it, it just fits. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's, it's kind of her. It's only, kind of her it is only Ringo's opinion that that is what's happened because in order to be cucked, you would have had to be you would you would have in fact had to have had an actual relationship with that person to begin. I with. can't believe that um, that Ikuni is brave enough to give us a comprehensive and inclusive understanding of the age old problem of cocultry from the feminine perspective. Truly, he is a legend. <laughs> Ted, do you regret having me on the podcast yet? <laughs> Not a day in my life. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's basically the last time that I saw it was I saw something like this. It was like the wife of Bath. So you know what? Like we progressed. <laughs> anyway, Ringo is walking home and it's raining, and she didn't bring an umbrella. But fortunately, she runs into Sho and Himari, who do have one, and also Penguins two and three. So. We get Speaking another flashback. Lane, time to flashback again. Uh, this time the flashback is nine years ago amid a severe rainstorm. What happened to Kanba? To Tomari? What will become of the family? This is when we find out whether or not Kanba fucking died. Yep. Which, given he's alive in the present, he does not seem to have. But he, he could be a ghost. I'm still holding out hope. This could be another uh, Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei scenario. Uh, so, Himari, or not Himari, uh, Kanba is not actually a ghost. I'm sorry we lied to you. His father saved him from the breaking glass and managed to get an arm full of mirror shards as his price. Kanba is very apologetic because he's a little kid and he's just realized that his actions have consequences for the first time. <laughs> but his dad straightens up and the two of them run off together with Himari and head toward the hospital, and we cut to Kanba in the future, who is wandering the streets of Tokyo at night. Well, Kanba in the present day. Kanba in the present day, wandering the streets of Tokyo at night with the rain pelting down, as he ends up on a train where we get uh, today's... I don't know how to explain what's going on here, but the Double H train safety ad this time is a PSA saying to borrow responsibly and not fall into a debt spiral. And they're doing kind of just like a sexy dance. It's not really actually related to borrowing at all, except for the fact that there's money flowing around. They're do Yeah, they're doing, oh God, they're doing flash dance. That's what that is. They're doing oh. the flash dance pose and okay. it's raining, on them, raining money on them. Okay. 
speaking of borrowing money, a mysterious figure in a black trench coat with a black hat hands Kanba an envelope full of money, which he receives. So I guess he may or may not have just borrowed a bunch of money from a loan shark. Yeah. So while Kanba is off solving his problems by creating bigger problems, everyone else is at home waiting on dinner or waiting on him to start dinner. And I have to say this, the layout of this room here is so cute. Mm-hmm. I love the little table. I love that there's a rice cooker like right nearby. Mm-hmm. I wish I could get our apartment to look this cute. But the problem is our floor is carpeted, so we can't put a rice cooker on it. because mm-hmm. It would get like gross and, you know, rotten. So Himari declares she w- doesn't want to get infected by gross Playboy germs in response to show speculating that Kamba's out philandering with a girl instead of coming home to eat. <laughs> and the two of them kind of make fun of their sibling sight unseen and just go like, we're going to eat dinner without him. It's going to get cold if they just wait on him. Yeah. Also, uh, penguin number three is being helpful and using a blow dryer to dry off Ringo's clothes while she wears the exact same outfit she borrowed last time she was here. <laughs> Uh, Ringo just kind of goes like, oh, you don't have to start early on my account. My mom always works overtime. And the others are just like, nope, fuck it. We're not waiting for our idiot brother. Let's all eat food. <laughs> they all say, itadakimasu. So uh, they are eating nikujaga, which is basically Japanese pot roast. It looks really good. It does. I want to eat that. And apparently it has been seasoned with curry, which was Ringo's idea. And Himari kind of reminds... Ringo that she said curry should be shared with the ones you love and Ringo's like yeah it should is anyone else on the Ringo Himari train I'm getting there I'm definitely a little bit (laughs) I mean like I'm not like die hard or anything but like you know two episodes is enough for me (laughs) I know we don't normally stand hetero couples on this show but um I think that if we're gonna do that uh can we throw a show in there and get a triangle going Is that weird when one of the triangle members is his sister? Yes. Damn it. Sorry. Can your poly relationship be with a brother and sister at the same time? Where you are with both of them, but neither of them is with each other. That sounds like something that happened in the Old Testament. Well, (laughs) uh, Sho and Ringo just doesn't really, like, it's, it's just not doing it for me. Yeah, but Sho did the most loving thing he could, which was put up with Ringo's bullshit for an entire day. Without killing her. I think they're just besties. (laughs) I feel like their relationship is that shows um, a minion and like a a, a disposable minion for Ringo to throw into in front of her problems, like, you know, skunks (laughs) and uh, awkward social situations. To lead to his grisly fate. And and instead of like him taking all the hits for her, he just turns around and goes like, and after a while goes like, nope, nope, never mind. Yeah, you're gonna, you go self-immolate. I'll go rescue you when you fall in the fucking water. I think they're just besties. Yeah, you could be, you could be besties in your relationship, your bestie dynamic being um, minion, disposable minion and not disposable minion. Like, Sho doesn't know they're besties yet, but like, he would be ride or die for her if it really came down to it. He doesn't know it yet, but he would. Anyway. Well, as dinner continues, Sho notices Ringo's diary in her little bag and goes, all right, it's now or never. And instead of just stealing the diary, Sho does probably the 
I'm going to say it's the smartest thing he's done in the whole show so far and just <laughs> asks Ringo if he can borrow her notebook. And he has a plausible excuse even as to why he knows about it and wants to see it because she was carrying it while they were bird watching. By the way, the entire time he's asking her about this, Penguin 2 is desperately trying to gun down an army of cockroaches. So Ringo refuses to give him the notebook because it's not something she can loan, to which he just goes, isn't it just an agenda? <laughs> to which Ringo is distraught with the implication that he has seen what is within her diary. While, of course, um, the penguin in the background is doing his impression of doom, but with cockroaches. Knee, yep. deep, knee, knee deep in the dead over there. Yeah, it's very yep. distressing if you don't like cockroaches. Yep. Show kind of throws out the idea of like, hey, there wasn't really anything personal in there. It was more like like your your plans, and they were kind of more like the things you vaguely want to do during a day. Like your ambitions. To which Ringo responds, it's my fate. My future is written in that notebook. It's my fate diary. So, did this show come out before or after Yume Nikki? Um, let's get a fact check on that. Wait, no, not Yume Nikki. Uh, fucking, uh, oh god, future diary. Yeah, it would be Future Diary. Try to Mirai Nikki. I'm looking it up. Yeah, because Yume Nikki is the is the one that has artistic merit. Mirai Nikki is the one that Yuno Gasai is in. Oh, I've heard of this. The show that ev- that like every stock Yandere gif is from. Yes. <laughs> All right. So the manga for this started in 2006. So it does predate Penguin Drum. And the anime was 2011, so it would have actually been contemporaneous with Penguin Drum. If I had a nickel for every time a girl who is stalking someone was drawn to the to a mild male protagonist because they have a shared need for a diary that predicts the future, I'd have two nickels. It's pretty weird that it happened twice. It's pretty weird that the specific premise happened twice, and one of the two times was in an Akuni show. Anyway, when Ringo asks, hey, why do you need it? Sho shows her the hat. Sho decides to put all his fucking cards on the table about this hat. Yep, he just tells her, like, yeah, the hat's an alien. I love how dumb, what's her name, uh, Memori looks in the background. It's so cute. It's so cute. I love it. Head empty, heart full. That's Himari. So Sho just like goes, yeah, I think this hat's an alien and it's ordering us to take your diary. And if we disobey, Himari could die. Meanwhile, speaking of which, Knee Deep in the Dead has gone. Oh my God. I can't, like in the background of this fucking alien penguin hat confession, the we, our our little penguin friend is in the middle of a John Carpenter movie. He is being just defeated by these cockroaches who have swarmed him and taken him out. Extremely cool scene to watch. If you I hate don't this. Like I, hate I would like to move forward, please. <laughs> I, I he's fucking dead. <laughs> yep. So anyway, this extraterrestrial life form is ordering us to get your diary, and if we disobey. Ringo just slaps the shit out of Showa because she thinks he's fucking with her. <laughs> Damn, that is Sakaga too. That was beautifully animated. Oh, it was so good. 
animators move to ones for a minute to to convey the force and speed of that hit. Shoma gets his character model broken completely. He emphasizes that he is not fucking with her. He is not lying. He's telling the truth. And she had the nerve to spill his dinner. He still had so much rice and Nikujaga left. Oh, it's so sad. Yep. And he kind of points out, you were saying bullshit about the, the diary. And meanwhile, guess who's here? That's right. Humari's got the hat on. Do you know what time it is? It's time for... Survival Tactics! Survival I love the survival strategy time. Yep. So it is, in fact, rock and roll night. Uh, the first one that Kanba has not been present for, I believe. Yeah. So <laughs> our duo has now been upgraded to a trio as of this episode. Or rather, our trio has been updated to a quartet. I guess. Backwards, our quartet has been downgraded to a trio for this segment. <clears throat> That's fair. I mean, more the, the number of people who know about the Princess of the Crystal is now... Oh, okay. Yeah. So, it's time to imagine. And the joke has, in fact, involved. Listen, you lowlifes who will never amount to anything. And we get the, eh? 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 But it's Ringo in Kanba's usual place. No, actually, notably, Ringo is in is Shoma's, Shoma's usual place. place. Yeah, Shoma is in Kanba's place. I can't believe that he finally got upgraded. <laughs> I know. Anyway, uh, the Princess of the Crystal is going to slut-shame Ringo for the next five minutes of screen time. It's kind of excessive, I-M-H-O. Yeah, it, it starts as, like... Okay, this is harsh, but yeah, she is a stalker and goes to... Okay, now you're just calling her mean names because you can. I mean, did you guys expect anything else from the from the entity which began its entire time in this show by saying, you fucking idiots who will never amount to anything, I'm going to hold your, your uh, sister hostage unless you do stuff for me, and I'm also going to insult you literally every time we interact with each other. Okay, but there's a, like... I feel I mean, like yeah. this- Adoyo, from a Doyland perspective, yes, it's a bit excessive. Um, it's a little weird. From a Watsonian one, like, yeah, I mean, she is kind of this way with everyone to a degree or another. She is kind of this way with everyone, but there is something about the way that she insults, like, Shoma and Kanba as being sort of just, like, general, and the way that she insults Ringo is very specifically- misogynist yeah like like calling her a stupid bitch and a slut and a whore yeah there is an element there that is gendered in a way that we don't necessarily get with the boys especially because like there'd be a perfect example of if if they were going to do that then she would absolutely be doing that with combo yeah yeah Yeah. speaking of which can we just Title this episode of the podcast, Ringo Does Not Have a Degradation Kink. <laughs> I don't think I can name the podcast episode that, cast. <laughs> well, now it's in the podcast episode, so it's fine. Everything, every, the hell is empty and all the devils are here. <laughs> hell is empty and all the devils have microphones. <laughs> yeah. So having cursed everyone, as we are cursed by... so. Ringo has no idea what the fuck is going on and assumes that this is Himari being unreasonably and 
uncharacteristically mean to her, which is very sad because Imari's her friend. And I mean, did she not see? Are we supposed to take from this that the uh, survival realm is non-diegetic? No, it's definitely diegetic. It's just that Ringo is so confused she hasn't fully grasped what the fuck is going on. And for as much as she can tell, like, her friend is in a costume and, like, weird shit is going on. Like... Yeah, she she has not grasped that the hat and Himari are separate personalities yet. If I appeared to you, Alice, in a funny costume and then was acting totally not like myself, wouldn't you be like, Panda, what is going on? I mean, I would assume that I would assume that some um, magical girl bullshit was happening. But that is because I have spent much of my life determined to never be a fish out of water and specifically this kind of situation. And I'm too genre savvy at this point. I put a lot of my skill points into specifically this situation, which, which will never happen to me. <laughs> anyway, the Princess of the Crystal demands that Ringo hand over her fate diary to, to the dumbass. And while she is protesting, Sho was just sitting there like, this day has gotten very uncomfortable. Anyway, uh, Ringo gets called a perverted stalker slut. This which... is what I mean. Yeah. Okay, one... Two, yes. Three, we're going a little far. Like, she's not wrong, but, like, she shouldn't say it. Is Ringo a slut? No. No. Definitively, she has eyes for only one man. She is a perverted stalker. I feel like two out of three for sure. Two out of three ain't bad, but also that... (laughs) Anyway, this is kind of getting me because Ringo is very hurt genuinely hurt by this. She's crying and it's so sad. I know. She only has a couple of friends. And the Princess of the Crystal literally spits and calls her a rotten, puke-brained bitch asshole. (laughs) Holy shit! This is where we go right off the rails of insults. If, if if it wasn't actually happening and someone just, and I just saw this picture, I would assume it was from some kind of like Penguin Drama Bridge. Yeah, honestly. It looks like it looks like an abridged line. It looks like Little Karibo wrote that line. <laughs> Early Little Karibo, yeah. And while uh, Himari is saying that that was very uncalled for. Uh, Ringo says that that's very uncalled for. You didn't have to call me that. Yeah, but while Ringo says that, Penguin number two drops her down the shove hole. I don't like that word. Do you want to rephrase that? <laughs> no, I don't want to. <laughs> but I will for you. Uh, no, she gets dropped down the trap door that Shoma is constantly dropped down. The trap door explicitly for Shoma. Shoma's <laughs> trap door. <laughs> the trap door for Shoma. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, that's what it looks like when that happens to me. <laughs> Shoma's just sitting... <laughs> I love the shot of Penguin number two cleaning its little flippers off and Shoma glaring at it like, this has happened to me so often. How does it feel to be on the other side, Show? Yeah. Apparently, uh, hey, slave, says the Princess of the Crystal, <laughs> don't just stand there, go snatch her diary. To which show just goes like, hey, I can't exactly snatch it if you drop her down the hole and Ringo is too powerful. I wish, I wish the two of you could have been with me in person when I was watching this for the first time. I literally, my jaw was on the entire floor because I... In- I 110% forgot that she just pulls herself up from the trap door. <laughs> Ringo is too powerful and will not be denied. 
I'm just gonna point out that, like, after multiple episodes of sexually harassing, specifically Ringo being a running joke, this is the one and only time so far we have had a panty shot, and it goes by in less than about a second, and it's diagenic. Yeah. Which is, I don't know what that means, but that information is now yours, because it had to belong to me for a while. It's certainly interesting. And the worst part is, I can make character pronouncements based on it. I can't believe that Ringo broke her own manacles. And yeah, then, Ringo um, breaks her own manacles, and then fucking dashes down the little musical spine highway at mock speed. Ringo is running up that hill to make a deal with the Princess of the Crystal. And that deal is, fuck you, you don't get to call me shit. She punches Himari in the face, grabs the hat, I don't think she punches Himari. I think she just very forcefully grabs the hat. And when she does that, she like knocks the princess of the crystal off kilter. That's probably what's happening there, but it looks like she decked her for a second. Oh, 110%. Dash is out the door. She's back in the real world now. And yelling, be gone, she yeets the hat into the distance. Full force. Which, first of all, Rico's got a fucking cannon on her. Second of all, uh, Shoma runs after it because, oh god, oh no, that's the hat that keeps Hamari alive, Hamari's hat. And it has landed on a moving truck, which just has the word goodbye on its side, and it's driving away. And Sho races after it. Ringo goes, oh, it's just a dumb hat, what's his issue? And then looks inside and sees Hamari, who is now a little bit dead. Yeah, uh, the whole table has been flipped over. All of the food is spilled out on the ground. Very sad. Can't believe Himari's fucking dead. Can't believe Himari's fucking dead. Actually, legitimately, I was kind of surprised that this happened because I was like, oh, wait, fuck, are they going to have Himari killed off for a while? Because <laughs> I, I did not expect, I was not sure whether they'd get the hat back this episode because Sho absolutely loses the thing. But luckily, Kanba is right nearby. And when Sho explains the situation to him just by yelling, bro, the truck, he grabs a fucking granny bike and dashes after it with penguin number one riding in the little basket. Yeah, he just straight up steals a bicycle. Yup. Kanba is going to get that fucking thing back if it's the last thing he ever does. And he is almost thwarted because the truck does, in fact, make it through a stoplight before he can catch up. So first of all, Kamba's fucking athletic. He has legs. This truck is driving slow because it's on a residential area, and it's in the rain, and it's at night. But he is fucking keeping pace with something going like 25 mph on a bike that was designed to travel at like 12. Yeah, I was like feeling exhausted just watching him do this. <laughs> this is not like a sports bike. This is, I was not kidding when I called this a granny bike. This is a fucking Oba Feats. Mm-hmm. And he is over here. Oh god, it, I think it literally is an Oafitz. He is pedaling to the metal. And he is reaching out so hard that He is so close. Penguin number one has a little kid's toy that's like the little grabby claw, and he's reaching out for it too. This so would be more useful if Kanba had the grabby claw. I mean, <laughs> you say that. So Everything goes wrong in about an instant. The bike chain snaps. Everyone goes flying into the air. But fortunately, Penguin number one has grabbed the hat with his little grabby claw. And he's holding that with his little 
his little foot claws, and he's holding Kanba in his little flippers, and Kanba is being dragged through the rainy road behind the truck and gets hit with a double H poster. And this whole thing is just an action movie sequence from here. Penguin number one falls, loses his grip, but Kanba has fortunately grabbed the little grabby thing and Penguin number one, and he's desperately holding on. <laughs> I, I can give the blow-by-blow for this, but honestly, the scene kind of has to be seen to be really enjoyed. The animation work here is really fast and frantic. There's a bit that we're watching right here that holds just a little, just long enough to make you, like, mildly uncomfortable, but the music never slows down, Kanba is doing a fucking shonen hero scream, and we flash back to after the typhoon passed. It's like so intense and then suddenly just BAM! Flashback again. After the typhoon passed, Kanba and his father, it's a man-to-man promise. He was a man who achieved his goals, so I will ellipses. And this is apparently what happened the night after they got Himari to the hospital. Kanba's dad has his arm in in a sling, but Himari is safely resting in a hospital bed as the sun comes up over a not typhooning anymore Tokyo. Do you notice that he also looks different? Yeah, he does look a little different. Like, before he looked kind of like, he he looks like a very, this, not only did he look disgruntled, but like the the profile of him looked a lot more sort of like threadbare. And this image of him in the morning light over Himari's bed, he looks like a Gundam supporting character he really does he, he looks like noah bright's like second cousin like yeah he's got like this fucking like out of nowhere suddenly he's got a fucking like strong jawline and shit yeah i can't help but feel like to, to an extent the other one is the more honest portrayal of like objective like how this man looks and this is more like how combo remembers him in this moment oh definitely as being kind of heroic as like having done this thing and being sort of satisfied in his his having accomplished yeah yeah and i would like to point out that also kanba's dad has a penguin on the back of his jacket he does so he tells kanba that he did a good job too and tells him that no storm lasts forever but you can't protect the people you love if you just wait for it to pass never forget that kanba honestly like that's i would not say that that's bad advice i would say that's pretty solid advice Yep, and we kind of like fade to white for a second and cut back to show nursing the unconscious, maybe dead Himari as Ringo regrets everything that she's done and admits she thought it was just a hat. Show's poor feet, we get a shot of them and his socks are waterlogged and threadbare and full of holes because obviously they were inside when they were eating dinner and you don't have your shoes on inside in Japan. Mm -hmm. So when Ringo threw the hat out, because he ran after it right away, he didn't stop to put them on. So he was running in his sockies in the rain and the asphalt. Yeah, and I suspect that his socks were maybe not in the best condition to begin with because, you know, their financial situation. Yep. And they hear, coming in from the rain, a very... My God, that's Kanba's music! Very worn down Kanba, his, like, he is the state of 
Shoma socks. He is waterlogged. He like his clothes are all torn. He's scraped up on his chest and his his arm because he was being dragged on the asphalt. He's carrying Penguin Number One, who is also bruised and dripping, but he has has the hat. And they give it to Hamari, and she wakes up. They don't even have to put it on her head. They just have to kind of like hand it to her. And Hamari is very confused as to what happened. And Kanba slumps to the ground. And while Penguin number one is being seen to by Penguins two and three, who are in a little doctor and nurse <laughs> it's outfit. so cute. He's, he's a hero. Don't, don't, don't mock him. <laughs> he is a hero. He's finally did something good. Penguin number one, hero of the Soviet Union. <laughs> the next morning, uh, Kanba calls his uncle and tells him that he deposited the money in the store's account. And it's clean, so don't worry. So we can stay in the house a little while longer, right? We get our our title card. This is what drives me. Yep. And it's time for the ending sequence, which now has, I will note, the little eel charm. uh, Yeah. So it's still the same ending song as before. There's not really any what I would call major, major differences this time around. Uh, other than I don't remember whether or not we got the little rotating model of Penguin number three uh, showing up as Himari. We see the bit of Himari putting her little practice shoes on in the early shot. Uh, I I don't remember either, but whether or not it was there is sort of a not really a meaningful change. Yep. Yet. <laughs> but yeah, still making music with and playing with like little educational school and primary school instruments with the members of Double H. And uh, notably, I did not get to watch the next episode preview uh, before we started recording this. So whatever is about to happen is going to be new to me. So the next episode preview takes place on a mountain of what look like pears. What, they... what the fuck? I think it's some playground equipment that yeah. happens to look like pears because of the color and the way it's arranged. Yeah, the color and the shape. That's why I'll never hesitate. Uh, Penguin number one, with his little German expression, has an ice cream cone because he was a good boy and he accomplished a lot. Yeah, the narration says, I know what fate is. That's why I'll never hesitate. And that is Ringo speaking, I believe. I'll be with you forever. And we get another Lily Hoshino drawing, this time of the Princess of the Crystal standing on top of uh, all three of the penguins, essentially. Her two feet are on penguins, uh, two and three, maybe. It's actually, no, I think that's one. It's uh, one and three, and penguin two is holding up her train. Yeah. Yeah. And penguin number two is holding up the train of her. Her big floofy skirt. Cape skirt thing. Her kurt? I don't like that. I don't like it either, but it's the best I could do. Anyway, (laughs) that was episode five of Mamoru Penguin Drum, the Kunihiko Ikuhara anime. So how did you feel about the episode, Cass? I love this episode. This was great. It is... I don't know what it is with episode five of Ikuhara shows being kind of the point where it starts getting really good for me, but this happened at about the five episode mark for uh, Irikuma as well. This is not... I'm not going to go ahead and say that like this is a skeleton key episode the way that I want to say that I talked about I believe it's episode five is the one I I talk about as kind of being the skeleton key for that show. 
where like you see it and like the rest of the show starts to go like oh i get what this is doing now because mm-hmm. it, it's early days yet and we haven't seen the whole show and it's hard to kind of with penguin drum at least it's hard to kind of know that this is going to be what's going to be a meaningful thing going forward but we're getting a lot of nice little hints that i think are endearing me to everything like of all of the things that could have been done with Ringo, integrating her into the little cozy domestic life of the siblings is probably the best thing they could have done because there's something kind of neat about the fact that Ringo has this obviously very messed up, you know, imprinting on an older boy thing going on where she's desperately pursuing this relationship that cannot and will not end well because she because of it gives it some in some way it's helping her deal with like the estrangement that her parents have have with each other Mm -hmm. a little bit with her yeah and kind of connecting her to the siblings who don't have parents at all but have each other or at least don't have parents present anymore but have each other and kind of have found a lot of a lot of ability to sort of survive and thrive through their love of each other rather than unhealthy relationships, although pin in that. Well, I mean... <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on with that one scene with Godma. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the important difference here being that as far as we know, Ringo doesn't have any siblings. Yeah, Ringo doesn't have any siblings, so kind of like getting adopted into the family a little bit is kind of a neat way to take her character. And I like that... One of the things I was worried about is that Shoma has been a kind of reactive character so far. He hasn't had a lot of episodes so far where, like, it's been his ideas and desires that have, you know, pushed the plot forward. Mm -hmm. He's mostly had to, like, hang on as Kanba or the Princess of the Crystal grabs him and drags him along toward the next plot point. Or Ringo. Or Ringo. This episode, he actually moves the plot by himself in a couple of really big ways. And the biggest one is just, he tells Ringo everything. Mm-hmm. And I really like that that feels like a very, it's not played as like a Kanba or Shoma has like grown a spine and is finally acting like a man thing. It's played as, of course, this occurs to Shoma. Shoma is deeply uncomfortable with doing, you know, illegal things like being a sex pest to Ringo kind of without her knowing it. Yeah. and you know, if he can get help, he'll ask for it. He's not too proud to do that. Yeah. He's not too proud to consider the fact that maybe there is, we might be overthinking plan grab the the journal. <laughs> I, I like that a lot. I, I really like it. Yeah, me too. And of course, like, there's a lot of other things. Uh, The, the whole chase scene with Kanba was great. Yeah. What the fuck is going on with Natsume? I don't know. I'm excited to find out what her... Why did... So what she definitely didn't is. murder Asami because Asami is on the news. And yeah, the first thing that would have been on the news there was <laughs> Supermodel murdered in bed. <laughs> but she apparently has a laser sight guided penguin slingshot. And I want to know what the fuck that does. I... My intimation with that was that uh it like erases your memory it's a neuralizer that was kind of what i'm thinking too but like i want to know to what end yeah and so there's there's now like three or four different 
interesting plots going at once. And we've also had confirmed by Ringo to another person that her future is written in her little agenda, and we still don't know what's going on with that or why her future would be written there. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, like I, I'm excited. I want to know what's. I want to know what's coming next. I've gone from every episode of Penguin Drum being like, "Oh God, what's going to happen?" to "Oh God, what's going to happen?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Alice, what about you? I like this one a lot. I'm starting. Ringo already has grown on me. I liked show getting a little more time. I liked being able to spend a bit more time with Amari. But interestingly. It's Kanba that I felt like was the one who got the most here. And I actually kind of like it. Kanba has been kind of one note in regards to being the worst. And it was interesting (laughs) to have a second note. Yeah. Yeah. This is also like the first time we've seen Kanba do something that is... Kanba's always been the like, I'm determined to do this whatever the cost guy. And it's nice seeing that trait come out in a context that isn't him going, hey, Shoma, don't be squeamish. We need to break into this girl's room. Hey, Shoma, let's continue just, like, getting creep shots of Ringo. By the way, I I mentioned that, like, the panty shot thing is character revealing. Yeah. So context for me saying that is they are not, in fact, triple lace. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot that that was even a thing. Yeah. Not in that shot. And then I was thinking about, like, I was trying to figure out, like, is there a reason this shot is here, other than the fact that, like, you know, it would have been kind of difficult from the angle they were drawing this not to draw it? And then I was like, well, no, that that's not an explanation. This is animation. If they're showing us a thing, it has to be there for a reason. Is yeah. there a reason other than titillation? And the first thing I thought of was, oh, fuck, right. There's that whole thing about Ringo has, like, fucking passion panties she wears. <laughs> Uh, when she's trying to go for Tabuki. So she was not wearing them today, which could mean a lot of things, but probably means that regardless of whether the subtitles say daddy and some of the connotation that has, Ringo's desire to hang out with her parents is just normal ass desire. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if these subtitles were coming out in like, 2022 they would probably have her say papa instead yeah because that i mean like there's definitely a like there's like definitely an intentional level of weirdness with their relationship but i don't know it's not that kind of weirdness i don't know if they maybe were intending to go that far into the weirdness with, with that but you know yeah, I, I'm glad to hear that you guys are warming up some, and uh, I like this episode quite a bit. I mean, we, we've I feel like we've been pretty warm on the show for at least a couple of episodes now. Yeah, the, the, the beginning was a little was a little rocky, but I mean that's kind of true of I think a couple of Akuti shows. Now well, I feel me. like this episode and the last episode have really been the warming up process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do we have any final thoughts? Uh, I think I've expressed all the thoughts I could other That's than like, I, I'm here for this show and I'm excited for next episode. I mostly just want to make sure that nobody misses anything that they wanted to say. Yeah. No, I think, I think I'm good. Hey, right, well, uh, listeners, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Utenecast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Impandanata. Alice, where can people find you online? 
They can find me at Lyrewolf, which is L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F, on the tweeters. And Cass, what would you like to plug today? I am very happy you asked. Do you like real robots? Do you like cool robots? Do you like real cool robots? I like all of those things. Well, I've got a great podcast for you. May I recommend Big Steppy? It has me and Alice, and Panda does the editing work for it. She hasn't been on an episode yet, but... I, I, if we get enough listeners back after our long hiatus, we will actually consider recording that episode that started as a shit post of Utana as a giant mecha anime. I keep threatening. Yup, and we and we keep uh, absolutely taking it seriously. So, yeah, uh, you can find the show's official Twitter account at Steppycast on Twitter. If you would like to support this show, you can do so by going to utanacast.com. And that's where you can find our Patreon. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. We have a $15 tier for merch. Uh, You have the option of uh, a couple of pins and a keychain. And if you sub for uh if you you are a patron for enough months you can get all of those and i usually send bonus stickers along with uh i i have stickers that i order specifically for sending along with the patreon uh packages so that's always fun and uh if you would like to get in contact with us you can email us at uh, imagine at gmail.com or you can fill out the Google form that is in our pinned tweet. If you would like to come on this show, that is the way to get in contact with us about that. And uh, I think that's all of the things. So I'm going to count down three, two, one, and we're going to do survival tactic. Tactic. All right. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to get it one day. We're going to get it this time. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Put me a coach. Come on. Two, one. Survival tactics. Oh my god, we did it. Well, mostly.